Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, time to get together once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, our neighbors over to the east in Louisiana are still dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane Ida. One of the biggest problems it caused for agriculture is a shutdown of the export facilities along the Mississippi River. We'll get an update on the situation there coming up to kick off today's show. Plus, if you need a little brush up on your marketing skills, you might want to look at the Master Marketer Program offered by Texas A&M. We'll have details on that program coming up as well. My name is Carrie Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Transpecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A forum on tax increases examines the devastation farm and ranch families, small businesses, and the economy would suffer from even more tax increases. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. Pretty soon, the calendar will be filling up with producer education events to attend. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about Texas A&M AgriLife's preparations for meeting season. This is James Duncan in Marshall, and this week we've had a lot of activity and we're looking forward to what's ahead because ducks, doves, and deer are just around the corner with the hunting seasons kicking off. We're looking for great seasons in all areas. We'll be talking that and a little bit about hay. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Hurricane Ida caused major damage to export facilities in Louisiana along the Mississippi River, shutting off export channels for agricultural products. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says getting those shipping ports back up and running is a top priority. Assessing the damage, and we obviously have staff on site that haven't had a chance fully and completely to access the damaged areas, so we don't have all the details and all the information we need to be able to assess precisely what needs to be done. But the president has made a, a major disaster declaration for Louisiana, an emergency declaration for Mississippi. So that begins the process of opening up potential assistance in terms of disaster loans. If governor's request or if our teams on the ground are able to document, there may be additional secretarial designations of specific counties that have been significantly impacted. That too would open up opportunities. Vilsack says USDA has several programs to help people hit hard by Ida get back on their feet. Registration is now underway for the 2021 Master Marketer Program, hosted by the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service and the Texas A&M Department of Agricultural Economics. Jessica Domel has the details. Registration is now underway for the 2021 Master Marketer Program, hosted by the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service and the Texas A&M Department of Agricultural Economics. The program will be held September 28th through November 11th in Westlaco. 
Master Marketer is designed for farmers and ranchers and agribusiness professionals who have some knowledge of futures and options markets. There will be 64 hours of intensive marketing training focusing on cotton, grains, and livestock. Speakers will discuss marketing techniques, marketing plans, technical analysis, futures and options, and other marketing-related skills. Cost is $350. A link to register is available at tx.ag backslash mastermarketer21. That is tx.ag backslash mastermarketer21. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Body condition scoring is an important management tool for sheep and goat producers. Maggie Ambergie is a small ruminant technical specialist with Purina Animal Nutrition and a sheep producer herself. She explains how body condition scoring works in sheep and goats. We recommend selecting 10 to 20 percent of those user does to get an estimate of the overall flock or herd's condition. Uh, We recommend doing this at 45 to 60 days before breeding. That way you can get a really good handle on the game plan that you're going to need to um, have for those females prior to breeding season and the flushing phase. Ambergie says body condition scoring is a direct indication of the health and performance of your sheep and goat herd that can be used to formulate a herd management plan. There has been a lot of talk out of Washington recently about tax increases. Tom Nicoletti talks with one Texas congressman who says many of those proposals could devastate farmers and ranchers. U.S. Congressman Tony Gonzalez of San Antonio and the Texas Farm Bureau, the largest farm and ranch organization in the state, hosted a forum with agricultural and small business organizations in San Antonio, along with local farmers and ranchers, to discuss how tax increases will devastate Texas farm and ranch families, small businesses, and the economy. Congressman uh, Gonzalez joins me uh, from San Antonio, and uh, welcome to our program, sir, as we talk about this forum. And uh, you believe in limited role of government in the economy. How important is it to hear from large agricultural organizations and small business owners, farmers and ranchers, about this uh, dilemma of higher taxes? Yeah, thank you for having me on the show. It was great to visit with members of Farm Bureau, Texas Cattle Raisers Association, organizations that represent corn, wheat, and other ag areas. I'm blessed to represent a district that is both rural and urban. It goes from San Antonio to El Paso County. And one of the things that I highlight is the urban-rural divide is as wide as ever. These proposed tax increases will only create a even wider divide. So everything's at stake. We're talking about changing a generation, forcing people to sell their ranches and farms, which is uh, absolutely the wrong approach. I'm against any type of tax, but the death tax in particular would force many families, which essentially have been in in ranching and farming generationally, uh, would force them to sell their properties. And you can't replace that. You know, there's something very special about rural America, the fabric uh, in which they provide can't be replaced beyond the economic impact. That is U.S. Congressman Tony Gonzalez from San Antonio. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Meeting season will be here before we know it. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. We've already had some producer meetings around the region in recent weeks, but it will still be a few more months before what we think of as meeting season really gets underway. And right now, the folks with Texas A&M AgriLife are pretty busy planning for those late fall and winter programs. 
Danny Nusser, the regional program leader for AgriLife Extension, says the process is a very grassroots approach, with commodity group representatives, Texas A&M system agriculture specialists, farmers and ranchers, and other experts providing their ideas on topics for upcoming programs. The list is far from finalized, but Nusser says what to do about weeds is likely to be a big item of discussion during meeting season. Weed management is a big issue this year. We've just had one of those years where weeds just have gone crazy. And so that's on producers' minds, particularly resistant weeds, and how do we manage those things? Nusser says there's still time for more ideas to be submitted, so if you have a suggestion for a meeting topic, call someone with AgriLife and let them know. Meanwhile, Nusser says the plan is definitely to have as many meetings as possible conducted as in-person events, although the COVID experience has helped AgriLife get comfortable with going the virtual route. So some county extension offices might use a hybrid approach. I think we found out last year that our producers, for the most part, prefer to get face-to-face and have our traditional programs. We had a lot better attendance with those. But we also learned that there are some guys that maybe they're not in that county where they're having that program or don't have time to spend that five or six hours at an all-day program, but they want to hear about one of these issues or one of these speakers, and they just tune in virtually. Whatever the format is for individual programs, I look forward to letting you know about upcoming meetings as they are scheduled. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It has been a good year for hay producers in East Texas. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. Once we got started in the hay season this year, it has gone very, very well. We've had the rain at the right time, and the fertilization has worked very well. Our first cutting of hay was not of the highest quality that we like. The second cutting improved. Third cutting was even better. And if we can get that next cutting, we'll go over the top for us as far as our hay production in East Texas is concerned. Now, that means good things for the cattlemen. The one thing that the cattlemen would like to see is an improvement in the calf prices here in East Texas because we normally market a lot of cattle during the fall of the year. The supply gets a little heavy the demand a little slight, and the price goes down. So we'd like to see that improve between now and the 1st of October when those calves start hitting the market to get a little bit better price when that time comes. Always is appreciated. Ducks, deer, and doves. Thinking about that, too. The hunt season is just around the corner. Dove season starts September the 1st. So we'll be right on top of that. And then right behind, bow season for the deer. And then the gun season starts. What do we want to be? We want to be prepared for it. We want to be ready and get our food plots in right now. And that's what we're going to be doing the next few weeks here in East Texas. Hot and heavy. Because we have a lot of folk come out of the big cities of Dallas and Houston in our area to do some hunting. We want them to get a deer so we make it attractive for the deer. We'll continue with our hay production. We'll continue with our fall gardening and the farmer's markets are still open, but they're closing down fast. If you want to get good, fresh produce, you got to do it in a hurry. This is James Duncan reporting from Marshall for Texas Ag Today. We're hearing mixed reports from the first week of dove hunting season in the north and the central zones. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll be joined by Central Texas Dove Hunters on today's wildlife show. That's coming up right here on Texas Ag Today. And mastitis isn't a very common issue in mares, but it can become a very serious problem. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. You don't see mastitis very often in mares, but if you do get it, it can be a serious problem. Dr. Bob Judd says there are a few things you can do to prevent it. Mastitis is inflammation of the mammary gland, and typically this develops in mares within eight weeks after weaning. A group at the University of Georgia performed a study and found milk production is highly linked to feed intake and reduction or complete removal of grains from the mare's diet at drying off can help prevent mastitis. Now, these mares still need to be on a balanced ration at weaning, but this can be accomplished with a smaller amount of concentrate. So check with your veterinarian for post-weaning ration recommendations. For mares that lose foals at parturition, it is recommended to collect all colostrum for storage in a colostrum bank and then start drying the mare off by reducing grain and hay. After weaning, some mares will leak large quantities of milk on their back legs, which attracts flies and can potentially increase the chance of mastitis. So this needs to be cleaned twice a day. Lots of clients want to milk these mares out to decrease pressure on the mammary glands, but milking the mare can actually increase milk production, so that's not a good option. Providing good nutrition for the foals will also help to satisfy their nutritional requirements and will decrease nursing, which can decrease milk production at weaning. Ideally, the foals should be nursing less as they age and should be nursing very little at weaning. So the mares should be decreasing milk production anyway. That is why lots of mares develop mastitis when the foal dies fairly soon after being born, as the mares are in full milk production. And then all of a sudden, the foal is not nursing, and large amounts of milk are still being produced. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We're hearing mixed reports from the first weekend of dove season in the north and central zones here in Texas. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. We're hearing mixed reports from dove hunters who've already headed to the field in the north and central zones. Bobby Thornton from the Texas Dove Hunters Association tells us that some hunters in the north zone and the northern part of the central zone weren't having much luck, which could be due to winter storm Uri's impacts on dove in those northern parts of the state. TFB Radio's Gary Joyner was out on opening day on the Martin Ranch in Coriel County. He joins us with more. I'm pleased to be joined by Tim Martin of the Martin Ranch. How'd it go today? Went fairly well. Everybody got to shoot today. We thought at first it wasn't going to be that many birds. But uh, there was enough to at least get to shoot your shotgun a few times, and uh, everybody seemed to have a lot of fun. You're really doing some good habitat work on the ranch, uh, trying to encourage dove and other species uh, to flourish on your place. Tell me about what you're doing for dove in particular now that we're hunting on opening day. Well, dove, they kind of go coexist with our habitat we're trying to do for our quail. We have fields that are planted, sunflower fields, milo fields, uh, mixtures of milo and, and sunflowers. And then we have plowed fields and dirt fields for that also. We built extra ponds for water. Fair to say the country looks pretty good right now? Sure. It's been great. A lot of rain. The birds have a lot of places to go. It's, that's why we were wondering if we was going to have any. But the, they showed up this afternoon. 
in the central zone, uh, September 1st, uh, a lot of people mark it on their calendar. Is it a day you look for every year? Every year. It's a tradition. My best buddy, David McGinnis, and I do not miss an opening day, even if we're sick. You know, we go. We were we, out there at 6 o'clock this morning. That's right. Well, David, were the birds better this morning or in the afternoon? What would you uh, say? There was more birds this afternoon. Um, that It was a little more scarce this morning. We'll have the rest of Gary's report on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The weakness continued in the cattle market to kick off this holiday-shortened week on Tuesday. We'll have a complete update of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Whenever you're operating, secure your load, raise your equipment, and avoid getting stuck or causing damage. Minimize distractions. Remember, noisy equipment drowns out the sound of a train. Unless you're crossing, always keep a safe distance from train tracks. Look. Listen. Live. For more info, go to OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We have a holiday-shortened week this week, kicking things off on Tuesday, and we kicked it off in the red for the cattle market. That weakness that we've seen for the last couple of weeks just continued as we started this week's trading week. We finished with October live cattle dropping a dollar five, one twenty-three seventy-five. The December down a dollar thirty-seven at one twenty-nine fifty-five. February live cattle down a dollar forty-five, one thirty-three seventy. Bigger losses in the feeder cattle market. September feeders down 220 at 156.27. October feeders down 242 at 160.05. November feeder cattle down 240 to close at 162.87. Cash fed cattle market quiet on Tuesday to kick off the week. We finished up last week selling fed cattle as high as 124 here in the south. Up north, live sales topped out at 130 last week. Dress sales were as high as 205. Boxed beef mixed on Tuesday. Choice down 95 cents, 335.47. Select up $1.51 at 305.64. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Josh Tilkey and his wife, Corey, have Carn City Auction. Little auction up on the hill in Carn City. Josh, how'd the sale go Friday before last? Larry, we had a real modest sale right at 400 head of good cattle up here on the hill last Saturday. Uh, market stayed strong throughout the calves and yearlings with good competition. Let's walk the pins. Good steers, two to three weight, 185 to 215. Three to fours, 175 to 210. Four to five weight men, 160 to buck 82. Five to sixes, 145 to 170. Six to sevens, $1.40 to 156. Heifer mates, two to three, 170 to 190. Three to fours, 160 to 190. Four to five weight gals, 150 to 175. Five to sixes, 138 to 158. Six to sevens, $1.32 to 146. Older bull yearlings, $1.20 to 138. Heifer yearlings, $1.05 to 118. The bred cows, we had a few stockers there, 900 to 1175. The pairs, 1275 to 1600. Packer cows, number one grade, hanging in there, 65 to 83 cents. Number two yielding, 56 to 65. And the bulls, 88 to 93. How about sheep and goats? Uh, we had a good medium run, 150 sheep and goats. Uh, we did see a little upswing in that market this week, especially on the billies, the rams, and the stocker nannies. 
No sale this week for Labor Day. Yes, sir. We'll be closed this coming Saturday for Labor Day, uh, Saturday the 4th, to spend some time with family and friends and rebound. And I know we've got a busy week, Bert. Booked after that to, to get kicked off. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You can use any of our services. Call us here at the barn, 830-780-3382, or on the cell phone, 830-623-2855. And the motto down there? Long live, Cowboys, Larry. Thank you, Josh. Neighbor, that was it for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finish lower on Tuesday. October hogs dropped a dollar thirty-seven, eighty-eight ten. December hogs down a dollar thirty-two at eighty seventy-seven. Class three milk was higher. September milk up thirteen, sixteen seventy-seven a hundred weight. October milk up sixty-three cents, seventeen forty-eight a hundred. It was a quiet day in the cotton market, not a lot going on. A very low volume trade, very little movement in prices. We close with October cotton down twenty-one points, ninety-five forty-one. The December up three, ninety-four oh five. Big fund selling in the corn market on Tuesday pushed prices lower. From a fundamental standpoint, we're looking at harvest pressure now coming into the market. Very good weather to finish out the crop in the Midwest. That all added up to double-digit losses. With the nearby September dropping below five bucks, it was down twelve and a quarter to close at four ninety-five and three quarters. December corn down thirteen and a quarter, five ten and three quarters. That weakness in the corn market spilled over into the wheat market. We were lower on both hard and soft wheat on Tuesday. September Kansas City wheat down five and a half, seven oh nine and three quarters. September Chicago wheat down five and three quarters. 708 and three quarters. Rough rice closed higher. September up three cents, 1310 a hundredweight. November soybeans down 15 cents at 1277 a bushel. September soybean meal down 360 to close at 337.30 a ton. In the energy markets, October natural gas dropped 13 cents, 457. October crude oil down 93 at 68.36 a barrel. The financial markets mixed on Tuesday. The Dow down 215 points, 35,153. The Nasdaq up 30, 15,393. The S&P down 8 points at 4,526. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.